he's back in the public eye, and not because of any new advancements or recent alien spacecrafts or UFOs. It's because of a Facebook event planning to raid the site. The Facebook event is called Storm Area 51. They can't stop us all. It is scheduled for September 20th and already has half a million people signed up to participate. The exact text of the event and the plan reads, We will all meet at Area 51 Alien Center Tourist Attraction and coordinate our entry. If we Naruto run, we can move faster than their bullets. Let's see some aliens. Now, obviously, this event does not have a high chance of success. There are many people pledging to join who likely won't. There has also been several people letting these event goers know that invasion of any sort of military property can lead to immediate legal action, if not violence. You might be shot while performing said anime run, the run with your arms backwards. But in more practical terms, this has re-spurred an interest in Area 51. We haven't had a UFO phenomenon in a while, depending on who you listen to. Either way, you're not going to find a lot of factual information about Area 51. Other than that, it exists. This is thanks to the 1967 Freedom of Information Act, which was a federal freedom information law that allowed the public to request the declassification of documents. It was, in fact, a 2005 request that was finally fulfilled on June 25th of 2013, where the CIA finally publicly acknowledged the existence of the base and declassified documents detailing the history and purpose of Area 51. Area 51 is located in southern Nevada. However, it didn't declassify what they were up to for so many years, and there is a bit of a history to it. It starts all the way back in 1864, with mineral discoveries, lead and silver, leading to the Groom Lead Mines Limited, which opened in 1870. This gave the area Groom Lake its name. The mining continues for about 90 years, taking breaks for the World Wars, and in the 1950s, it starts to be taken over by the government. 1942, an airfield begins to serve the Indian Springs Air Force Auxiliary. It consists of two unpaved runways. In 1955, Area 51 is officially established. They are looking for a testing ground after the World War. Dried up lake beds and various mountain ranges in the area, as well as the Nevada test site, allow for a cubby of privacy for the base. Groom Lake becomes the location of Project Aquatone by the CIA, where they develop the Lockhead U-2 strategy reconnaissance aircraft, eventually leading to the other productions of other stealth and spy aircrafts. In 1959, the Oxcart program begins. This is an anti-radar study, aerodynamic structural tests, engineering design, and would eventually lead to the Lockhead A-12. The base is upgraded, and the security is heightened around the base. 
And this continues to today. There is still lots of aircraft testing. It is still an active facility. Now, that's where the facts end. There are, of course, rumors, and the documents freed up by the CIA did very little to quiet these rumors. So let's talk about aliens. And this starts with the July 4th, 1947, Roswell spaceship crash. In New Mexico, a rancher discovers an unidentified pile of debris in his sheep pasture. He calls the sheriff, who calls the officials from Roswell Army Air Force Base. Armored trucks and soldiers arrive to gather the materials. On July 8th, the Roswell Daily Record publishes their top story, RAAF captures flying saucer on ranch in Roswell region. One day later, the Air Force officially replies to the article, saying that it was only a crashed weather balloon. But skeptics don't agree. They cite pictures, noting the materials, and saying that it wasn't a weather balloon. And in fact, it was unlike any weather balloon that had been in existence before, and there was a sort of craft to it, leading to disregard of the official statement. Into the 1950s, the number of skeptics grow, and this increases because of dummy drops. The Air Force is testing if pilots can survive falls from high altitudes. They are using dummies. They are in mock spacesuits. They are bandaged. They are unfeatured ballistic gel-like crash dummies with aluminum bones. Whenever these bodies crash, whether the wind takes them somewhere onto some ranch or they are delivered into a public area, the military immediately arrives and picks up the bodies. Whether or not you believe this is cover-up talk, that's a pretty creepy thing to witness. A military vehicle arriving and picking up a ballistics gel dummy from a field. It's going to raise some suspicion. But for the most part, the tests slowly end and the incidents fade from memory. That is until the 1970s, where UFO researchers interview those connected with Roswell. And the Freedom of Information Act starts to leak out small amounts of documents. Into the 90s, countless books are published, backing the evidence, the hearsay, and a lot of it is contradictory. In 1994, the Air Force releases reports about Project Mogul, a military surveillance program which used high-altitude balloons. This is also where we start to find out about the dummy drops, but this is all dismissed by the skeptics as more cover-up information. Relating back to Area 51, that is where everything was taken after it was picked up. The dummies, the weather balloons, the tested crafts, all of these were delivered to Area 51 in Nevada. And that is why the theories spawn from this particular location. The meetings with aliens, the ideas of weather control development, time travel, teleportation devices. All of these public theories start to spawn because of the idea of reverse engineering at the Area 51 site. And since 2000, there hasn't been a lot of new information. There was a 
1996 documentary called Dreamland, where a 71-year-old mechanic claimed that they were working on a flying disc simulator on the site. They also claimed to be working alongside an extraterrestrial named J-Rod, who is a figure throughout a lot of these more recent stories since 2000. J-Rod, the alien, was helping them develop a telepathic translator. There's also stories of a alien virus cloning facility, which is also tied to this individual J-Rod, and he helped them produce these viruses throughout the late 1980s. These stories have really stopped there because of the Freedom of Information Act, and skeptics have found a way to continue their skepticism despite the disclosure of these documents. In 2008, Bigelow Aerospace was contracted by the government to work on aerospace projects. But because they are an independent corporation, they are not under the laws of the Freedom of Information Act, which is a federal program. Skeptics say, for their UFO sources, that this has allowed the American government to continue to hide its alien activities by using independent contractors. The other big source of skepticism is that there is no Area 52, Area 53, and Area 54, which would be a natural evolution to the site. Why hasn't the site been updated since the 1970s? Why does it continue to look the exact same on Google Images, despite its need to evolve, grow, as any site would? And this has led to the idea that Area 52 is underneath Area 51, or that Area 51 is in fact spread underground in order to create more secret facilities. These are, of course, connected by secret trains, nearby hollow mountains, that have allowed the government to grow their site and their facilities, despite what we're able to see on Google Maps. As of today, July 14th, 2019, more than 800,000 people have signed up for the Facebook event, Storm Area 51. They can't stop us all. An additional 700,000 people have declared their interest in the event. A spokeswoman for the United States Air Force, Laura McAndrews, has released a statement through the Washington Post for these event goers. It says... Area 51 is an open training range for the U.S. Air Forces, and we would discourage anyone from trying to come into the area where we train American Armed Forces. The United States Air Force always stands ready to protect America and its assets. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe on whatever service you are using at the moment. Music was by Brian Griffith. I was Kyle Ferguson. You can support this show and the creation of others like it over at patreon.com slash Kyle Ferguson. I'll see you next week.